hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm. What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. Typically, when women get started on hormone therapy, they leave the office with a prescription for a pill or maybe a patch with zero, zero discussion about the differences between oral and transdermal estrogens. And most women are never even told that there are options other than wearing a patch on their belly. That's especially true if someone's going through a telehealth service where typically they're given one, maybe two options. So that's today's topic because the decision to take an oral estrogen versus using a patch, a skin gel or spray It's not just about personal preference, insurance coverage, and convenience. It's also about safety. It's about potential risks. It's about your personal medical history. And you should know those differences and participate in that decision. And by the way, just so you know, in this episode, I am going to be mentioning a bunch of product names, but I have no financial ties to any of these companies and none of them paid to be included. So here I go. Today, I'm only going to be talking about systemic estrogen options, meaning products that are intended to work throughout the body, as opposed to a local vaginal estrogen, which is a cream, a tablet, a vaginal ring insert or suppository that's placed in the vagina or on the vulva for the treatment of vaginal dryness, painful intercourse, and bladder symptoms. Those products are all covered in episodes 3, 5, 11, and 27, and is also the topic of my book, Slip Sliding Away, Turning Back the Clock on Your Vagina, A Gynecologist's Guide to Eliminating Postmenopause Dryness and Pain. So, systemic estrogens. Systemic estrogens, unlike the local estrogens, affect every single cell in your body, which means that there's going to be an impact not only on your hot flashes, but also your bones, your brain, your bladder, and your cardiovascular system, along with your vulva and vagina. The blood level you achieve with postmenopause estrogen therapy, it's not intended to be as high as when you're in your 20s or 30s, which is why it's called estrogen therapy or hormone therapy, HT, as opposed to estrogen replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy, HRT. The goal of menopausal hormone therapy is just to get your blood levels high enough to alleviate peri and postmenopause symptoms and also benefit other organ systems that depend on estrogen to be healthy. A systemic estrogen may be oral, meaning a pill you swallow, or it may be transdermal, meaning it enters through the skin in the form of a spray, a patch, a gel, or a cream. I'm also going to be covering the one vaginal product, Femring, that delivers systemic level doses in the same range as transdermal and oral estrogens. All of these systemic estrogens, whether they're oral or transdermal, are going to have the same benefits. They're all going to get rid of your hot flashes. They're all going to help you sleep. Both oral and transdermal estrogens are good for your bones, and they're going to decrease your risk of osteoporosis and fracture. Women who take systemic estrogen, they're going to have less joint pain and stiffness. Systemic estrogens also help with perimenopausal brain fog. 
And a lot of people aren't aware of this, but systemic estrogens decrease insulin resistance, which in turn will decrease the risk of type 2 diabetes, along with decreasing visceral fat. That's the organ fat. Studies have also shown that estrogen has a favorable effect on body fat distribution. Yeah, we're talking muffin top, but in addition will increase lean body mass. And both oral and transdermal estrogens are going to help you with vaginal lubrication and your genital blood flow, which in turn will hopefully boost your libido and may even help you orgasm. But it's important to know that they're not always going to take care of that. About 15 to 20% of women who use a systemic estrogen also are going to need a local vaginal estrogen to help with genital, vaginal, and vulvar blood flow lubrication and elasticity. The other nice bonus of systemic estrogens is it is going to have a significant impact on your skin, meaning fewer wrinkles and more collagen. And finally, all forms of systemic estrogen will decrease both the risk of colon cancer and also the risk of breast cancer. And a lot of women, and frankly, most doctors are not aware of that decrease in breast cancer in women who take estrogen. So I have an entire episode on that one. Check out episode 31, The Truth About Hormone Therapy. Does it cause or does it prevent breast cancer? Because you really need to understand the data and the science behind it. But here's where this whole thing gets interesting about oral versus transdermal estrogen. Well, there's this long list of benefits that I just gave you of both oral and transdermal systemic estrogen. The potential complications are where the differences come in. Most of the oral and all the transdermal estrogens are going to have the exact same form of estrogen, a plant-derived bioidentical beta estradiol. But the difference between the two isn't about the type of estrogen. It's about how it enters your body, which is going to determine how you metabolize that estrogen. So if you get absorbed, if your estrogen gets absorbed through the skin, as opposed to making the trip through your gastrointestinal system, is going to determine what complications and risks that form of estrogen has. More specifically, oral estrogen travels through the stomach, into the intestines, and then gets metabolized by the liver. Transdermal estrogens, on the other hand, get absorbed through the skin when they're applied to either your thigh or arm, depending on the product, and then they're released directly into the bloodstream. Transdermal estrogens are not metabolized by the liver. And by avoiding that trip through the liver, you can avoid a lot of the risk factors that are unique to oral estrogen. So let's go through the lists. Risks that are specific to oral estrogen products that do not occur in transdermal estrogen products are going to include, first of all, an increase in gallstones. There's also in oral estrogens an increase in inflammatory markers that are associated with heart disease. There's an increase in triglyceride levels with oral estrogens, which in turn, between the elevation in triglyceride levels and inflammatory markers, is going to increase your risk of blood clots, including things like stroke, pulmonary embolism, and deep vein thrombosis. So while most women are avoiding estrogen because of a fear of breast cancer, 
What they really should be worried about is the risk of a blood clot. But again, it's it's important to put it in perspective because most low-risk women do just fine taking an oral estrogen. The risk of developing a blood clot when taking postmenopause estrogen is really, really small. And it's kind of like when you think about birth control pills. Birth control pills also have a slight risk of developing a blood clot, but most women don't even hesitate to do so. They're not thinking about it. And if we go back to the Women's Health Initiative, when it looked at this enormous group of women that were taking only oral estrogens, and they did a very specific analysis, they found that there were only four additional blood clots for every 10,000 women who were using estrogen in the 50 to 60-year-old group compared to women in that same age group who were not taking estrogen. Only four, four additional blood clots for every 10,000 women. So what about benefits that are specific to oral estrogens beyond the convenience of swallowing a pill? Well, interestingly, oral estrogen not only decreases cholesterol, but it decreases it even more than transdermal estrogens do. Oral estrogens also increase HDL, the good cholesterol, and they decrease LDL, the bad cholesterol. Transdermal estrogens, on the other hand, they do not increase the risk of developing blood clots. That is the major, major benefit. I mean, think about that. While rare, the most serious complication of taking estrogen is a blood clot that can cause a pulmonary embolism, a heart attack, or a stroke. But that is only a risk with oral estrogens when taking a pill. In addition, transdermal estrogens don't increase gallstones. In fact, transdermal products were originally developed to benefit women who had liver or gallbladder disease, which was known to be aggravated by taking an oral estrogen. And it was only after those transdermal estrogens were out that they also learned that avoiding the trip through the liver included other benefits, primarily the elimination of that increased risk of blood clots and stroke. So why? Why don't transdermal estrogens increase the risk of blood clots? Well, it's because transdermal estrogen use decreases triglyceride levels, and it doesn't increase clotting factors such as fibrinogen and factor seven, which are increased with the oral estrogens. In addition, there is a protein produced in the liver called C-reactive protein that causes blood clots to grow larger and more prone to breaking off and traveling to distant blood vessels, which is how people get strokes and heart attacks. Oral estrogens increase C-reactive protein. It's the trip through the liver that causes that increase. Transdermal estrogens do not. Another interesting benefit is that transdermal estrogen may increase libido more than oral estrogens. And that's because the trip through the liver results in an increase in sex hormone binding globulin which decreases the amount of active testosterone. So women who lose their libido while taking birth control pills, they're familiar with this phenomenon. And we may be seeing the same thing with the oral estrogens. And because transdermal estrogens don't increase sex hormone binding globulin, it means that it may not decrease the libido the same way that orals do. Now, this has not been well studied, but 
it does stand to reason that they may be better than oral estrogens when it comes to libido. So if you're taking an oral estrogen and your libido is not terrific, you may want to talk to your doctor about switching to a transdermal oxygen. So I get into all the details about testosterone and testosterone supplementation in episode 21, Say Yes to Testosterone for Women. So the obvious question is, if the risks are so different when it comes to oral versus transdermal estrogen, why does the FDA product label list all of the same risks for every single product? I mean, I just told you that transdermal estrogens don't increase the risk of blood clots, yet the FDA label on every transdermal product clearly states that there's an increased risk of not only blood clots, but also cancer and dementia. It all comes down to class labeling. FDA class labeling requires every single product with the same ingredient, meaning anything that has estrogen in it, to have the same warning, even if that risk has never been demonstrated in that particular product. In other words, just because something is listed as a risk doesn't mean it is a risk. As an example, Taking oral estrogens, we know, okay, it can increase the risk of developing a blood clot, but that risk has never been demonstrated in the use of a transdermal estrogen product, or for that matter, in a local vaginal estrogen. Nevertheless, the FDA requires that a blood clot warning be on every single product that contains estrogen. The increase in dementia that was demonstrated only in women who started oral estrogen over the age of 65 is listed on every product, including vaginal estrogens. I can guarantee you that if you use vaginal estrogen, you are not increasing your risk of dementia. Virtually every one of the warnings on transdermal or vaginal estrogen labels is based on the risks associated with systemic oral estrogen in very specific circumstances. So I also want to circle back and mention the one transvaginal systemic estrogen product, because when women think of vaginal estrogen, they're generally referring to the administration of local estrogen for the treatment of dryness or painful sex. But the vagina is also an excellent way of delivering systemic estrogen in dosages that have the same benefits of taking an oral or using a transdermal product. So currently, Femring is the only vaginal estrogen product for systemic therapy to decrease hot flashes, which is not the same as estering. Estering is the local vaginal estrogen and is only for the treatment of vaginal dryness and painful intercourse as a result of genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which is the topic of slip sliding away. It's not going to help your hot flashes. It's not going to benefit your bones or your brain. Femring, again, not the same as estering. So what that means is that the risks and benefits that are specific to the transdermal products also hold true for Femring because like the transdermal products, Femring is not metabolized by the liver. And it's interesting, you know, the vaginal ring, it's never caught on to the same extent as transdermal products, but I think that's going to change because as more women and more doctors become aware of it, I think it'll just be used more. And we also have a whole generation of women who've been using NuvaRing for contraception. And as they enter menopause, the concept of, of taking hormones through the vagina, I think it's going to be a lot more familiar and a lot more acceptable. So, let me circle back and kind of just go through the list of the comparison between transdermal and oral estrogens to be clear. So oral estrogens increase triglycerides. 
transdermal estrogens either have no effect on triglycerides or decrease them. Oral estrogens and transdermal estrogens are both going to decrease your total cholesterol, but oral estrogens decrease total cholesterol more than transdermal estrogen. Oral estrogens and transdermals are going to both increase HDL, the good cholesterol, but oral does a better job of increasing HDL. Both oral estrogens and transdermal estrogens are going to decrease LDL, the bad cholesterol, but again, oral estrogens are a little bit better at decreasing LDL. The risk of blood clots, such as stroke, pulmonary embolism, and defane thrombosis is only increased when using an oral estrogen. A transdermal estrogen will not increase the risk of blood clots. Sex hormone binding globulin, which may impact on your libido, is only going to be increased in oral estrogens, not in transdermal estrogens insulin resistance. This is really important. Both the oral and transdermal estrogens are going to decrease insulin resistance and decrease your risk of potentially developing type 2 diabetes. Cardiac inflammatory markers are increased with oral estrogen and are decreased with transdermal estrogen. Liver and gallbladder problems are increased with oral estrogen and are not affected by transdermal estrogens. And finally, both oral estrogens and transdermal estrogens are going to decrease the risk of colon cancer and breast cancer. All right, now that you've got all that down, if you have decided that you want to go with a transdermal product, I'd like to run through all the different options you have so that you know the pros and the cons of using a patch, a spray, or a gel. And again, the estrogen in all the transdermal products is exactly the same. This is a plant-derived, bioidentical beta estradiol. The difference in these individual products is how they get through the skin, which is going to be different with each brand. So let's start with patches. There's a lot of patches. They were the first kind of transdermal products that were released. Um, some of the brands that are out there, and again, I don't have any relationship with these companies, Allura, Climera, Esclam, Estroderm, Menistar, Miniville, Vival, Vival Dot, and there are a bunch of generics. Patches are either round or square, and they come in a lot of different sizes. They can be really small, like the size of the dime, and sometimes they can be pretty big, especially the generic ones. They all stick to your skin, and they slowly re release estradiol. And depending on which product you use, which brand you use, the patch is changed either once a week or twice a week. And again, depending on the product, the patch should be applied either to your lower abdomen or the upper buttock on the back, as long as it's in a hair-free area. When it's time to replace the patch, you basically pull it off and then you apply a new patch to a different area of the skin. There are three different technologies that are used to manufacture the patches. The first is reservoir. These are the oldest patches and a lot of the generic patches. In a reservoir patch, the estrogen is basically in a small reservoir that has an alcohol membrane that controls the relative release. 
Matrix patches are patches that have a suspension of estrogen that's in direct contact with the skin, but the adhesive is only on the perimeter of the patch. Dot matrix, these are the newest patches. And in these kinds of patches, they combine the adhesive and estrogen in one layer. These patches are the smallest ones, the thinnest ones, and of course, you guessed it, the most expensive and the least likely to be covered by your insurance. So what are the advantages of patches over pills and other transdermal products? Well, a pill and a lot of the other transdermal products require daily dosing. Patches only need to be placed once or twice a week. But for some people, that's actually a disadvantage since it's easier for some women to remember to do something every day than to keep track of when it's time to change the patch. Generics are generally available for patches, and they're often less expensive than other transdermal products. A lot of insurance companies only cover patches as opposed to the other transdermal delivery systems. Unlike with other transdermal products, there are no concerns about transferring estrogen to others you may hold or come in contact with. More on that in a minute. But then there's some downsides to patches. First of all, some women, they just don't like to wear a patch. They don't like the way it looks. They don't like the way it feels. And they don't want to explain to someone why they're wearing a patch. Patches can sometimes irritate the skin. This is especially true with generic reservoir patches. The generic patches are also usually larger than the trade name patches. Patches in general do not come off in the shower or the pool. But hot tubs, hot showers... Yep, sometimes they do come off. And sometimes a patch will come off even if it doesn't get wet, if your clothes rub against it or something else is rubbing against it. But probably the number one complaint I get is that by day three, patches just look dirty and they generally leave behind a sticky residue. All right, moving on to gels and creams. Some of the examples of those products are Divigel, Alestrin, Estrogel, or Estrazorb. Now, estradiol gels and lotions were specifically designed to avoid those skin irritation problems that you sometimes see with patches. These are all applied daily. Alestrin and estrogel are clear gels that come in a canister that delivers a specific amount of estrogen per pump. These gels, they're, they're pumped into your hand and then you apply it to your arm, rubbing it from the wrist to the shoulder. Divi gel is packaged in little individual foil packets that are applied to the thigh. So the good side of gels and creams is that you avoid that whole sticky residue and skin reaction problem that some women get with patches. One of the things I really like about gels and creams is that it's really easy to change or titrate the dosage up or down without getting a new prescription. So for example, if someone's using one pump of estrogen a day, I can tell them to go up to two pumps if they need more hot flash relief. If they're using a patch and I want to change the dose, I need to write a whole different prescription. Also, those varieties, Divi Gel, that come in packets, they're great for travel. You know, women love that they can throw exactly what they need in a bag and they don't tuck up any space. So the downside, well, the gels, they're, they're all alcohol-based and there is always that chance that you'll burst into flame if you light a cigarette, which is just, of course, one more reason not to smoke. Creams and gels are generally more expensive and not always covered by insurance. You also need to wait for them to dry before you put your clothes on, which is usually only about two to five minutes, because if you don't wait, then they can get on your clothes. The gels also 
theoretically, can be transferred to someone else if there's direct contact before they've been completely absorbed. And you need to wait at least an hour before washing the area since some studies show decreased absorption if you don't wait long enough. Now, there's also a spray on the market, Evamist. Evamist is sprayed on the skin between the elbow and the wrist on the inside of the forearm. Evamist actually dries a lot more quickly than the gel varieties, which means you can get dressed within a minute or two and wash the area within 30 minutes. You don't need to put the product on your fingers to apply or to rub it in, which means you don't need to wash your hands and there's less chance that you're going to transfer it to other areas or other people. And, and honestly, my patients love Evamist. Evamist. When I'm in the office, I actually have this little basket and I show them all the trans dermal products so they can make their choice. And almost everyone points to Evamist and says, oh, I want that one. But, you know, of course, there's the downside. This is the one that's rarely covered by insurance and, of course, is more expensive than other transdermal products. It's also been associated with affecting kids who were exposed to the drug when they have skin contact with the woman who's using it. There have been eight cases of unintended exposure in children aged three to five that resulted in some nipple swelling and breast development, and even some breast development in boys. So if you're spending time with small children, you need to either wear long sleeves or at least make really sure your estrogen has dried before any major hugging or holding. There's also been along the same line some reports of adverse effects in pets who are exposed to the drug via skin contact, such as mammary or nipple enlargement and vulvar swelling. In other words, best to not let your dog lick your arm after you've applied your estrogen. And like the gels, the spray is alcohol-based, and there is that chance that you'll burst into flame if you light a cigarette, but only for a few minutes. And finally, again, the vaginal ring femring. Again, femring is systemic, not local estrogen, and is intended for the treatment of hot flashes. It will also treat vaginal dryness, but the femring dose is higher than necessary for just that purpose. So if you're only treating vaginal dryness, go with estering, not femring. Um, thumb ring is a flexible, celastic, disposable ring. You insert it in your vagina and you replace it every three months. The ring slowly releases estradiol and one size fits all. You simply fold this flexible two-inch ring or twist it into a figure eight shape and give it a little push so it slips into the back of the vagina. The position, it's really not important, so it's very easy to place. Once it's in, you can't feel it and you're not aware of it doesn't even need to be removed during intercourse, but you can if you want to. But honestly, it's the rare guy who can feel it. When it is time to remove it, you just put two fingers in your vagina and you pull it out. Every three months, you, when you remove it, you throw it away, and then you replace it with another fem ring. So the good side is obvious. It's set it and forget it. You only need to replace it every three months. It's also nice if femorine comes in two doses. So if the first one isn't right for you, there is another option. It has all the benefits of transdermal products without any of the skin reactions, and there is no possibility of transferring estrogen to another person. And there's no precautions about washing, sunscreen, or applying moisturizer. The bad side is that some women do have some difficulty putting it in, but I find that usually that's not the problem. The bigger problem is some women find it's really difficult to remove. And I do have a handful of patients who come in and have me do it for them every three months. But a workaround is you can tie a length of dental floss ribbon to the ring. And then once you put the ring in, you just tuck the floss into your vagina. 
when it's time to remove the ring, you fish out the, the dental floss and then use it to pull the ring down so that it's more easily reachable. But just be sure that you're not using minted, minted dental floss. Okay, before I finish this episode, I'm going to run through the top 10 questions that my patients who are using a transdermal estrogen ask me. Starting with question number one, if your skin gets red and irritated while using the patch, does that mean you're allergic to estrogen? And the answer is no, it's really, really unlikely that you're allergic to estrogen. You are probably just reacting to the adhesive, which is most likely if you're using a generic product. If you can switch to a patch with the dot matrix technology, it's much less likely that you're going to have a reaction. Otherwise, you might be better off with a gel or a spray. Second question I get is that sometimes women want to cut their patch in half. Maybe either they want to decrease their dose or they're just trying to stretch out their prescription a little bit. But the problem with that is that it really depends on the technology used to determine if it's okay to cut it. If it's a reservoir patch, which is pretty common in the generics, the estrogen is going to seep out, so you can't do it. Most of the newer patches that use a matrix technology theoretically can be cut, but of course, the manufacturer doesn't recommend it, so don't bother calling them and, and asking because they're just going to say, don't do it. Third question, what happens if a patch comes off? What do you do? Well, if it's still sticky, you can put it back on, but put it on a different area, and if it won't stick, then just take out a new patch and apply a new one. Question number four, you know, I mentioned that icky, sticky residue that the patch can leave behind. Well, to get rid of it, all you really need to do is apply some baby oil with some Kleenex or a cotton ball, let it sit there for a few minutes, and then that residue will wipe off easily. The other question I get a lot, question five, is if you're using a gel, a cream, or a spray, how long do you really need to wait to wash after it's applied? Well, if you're using a gel, you really should wait an hour. A spray, 30 minutes is probably fine. But just what makes more sense is to apply your estrogen after, not before you shower. How about sunscreen? That's question number six. Well, again, better to apply your sunscreen before um, because there was a study, this was an estrogel, that showed a 16% decrease, a decrease in the absorption of estrogen if sunscreen is applied less than one hour afterward. Question seven, what about moisturizer? Well, sunscreen decreases absorption, but it turns out moisturizer applied with your estrogen increases the absorption by as much as 73%. So if you're thinking about putting on moisturizer, you want to put it on long before you put on your uh, estrogen and wait at least two hours after. Question number eight. If you're using two pumps of estrogen gel or two sprays of Evamist, where do you put the second dose? Well, in the case of the gel, you should apply one dose to each arm. If you are using the spray, the second shot of estrogen spray can be applied to the same arm, but not in the same spot. Just move the applicator over and spray again. Question number nine. Can you apply a transdermal estrogen to a different area than what the directions tell you? And this happens a lot. I mean, I get it. You just put your pants on, you're headed out the door, only to remember that you forgot to put your Divi gel on your thigh. 
Or maybe you want to use your EVAMIS, but you're worried because you're going to be carrying around your one-year-old granddaughter, so you really don't want to apply to your arm. Well, it's probably okay to put it somewhere else, but you need to realize that in the clinical trials, the absorption and the anticipated blood levels of the hormones were based on consistent application to the designated spot. But honestly, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Question number 10. What if your insurance only covers a patch, but you want to use a gel? This is a tough one because your insurance company is usually going to tell you that you have to prove that you tried a patch, but it caused a rash or an irritation. And yes, they're going to want to see photos. So a lot of information, but to simplify If you are not at risk for a blood clot, and if you don't have gallstones, and if you have normal lipid profile, normal triglycerides, you will generally be fine with either an oral or a transdermal product. And then your decision is going to come down to personal preference, convenience, and insurance coverage. I also, in this episode, I did not cover the nuances between the different oral estrogens or the whole issue of protecting your uterus if you have one, which means using a progestogen or a progestogen alternative. That whole topic is covered in Hot Flash Help. And then the topic of compounded hormone therapy, which I also did not cover in this episode, is covered in episode 35. The other thing is, 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 and I know this is confusing because I gave a lot of, you know, different things that go up and down and all over the place. And in, in Hot Flash Hall, in that chapter, not only does it give you a lot more detail, but there are a lot of charts which basically compare transdermal and oral side by side, which makes the whole thing easier to understand. And if after you, you know, you gather all this information and you go to your doctor and he or she is not giving you options and isn't familiar, then you might want to check out episode 46, finding a menopause clinician who will listen. And I'm going to put the links to all of those programs and books in the program notes. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my inside information books available on amazon.com and follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Bye.